Welcome to the Barnes and Thornburg Podcast Network. You're listening to Trial Ready, a podcast dedicated to learning about the work of trial lawyers and their insights into the legal issues of today. To learn more, visit us online at btlaw.com. Welcome back to Trial Ready, Barnes and Thornburg's latest podcast dedicated to hearing and learning from some really fantastic trial attorneys. Thanks to everyone who listened to last month's episode. Today, we are honored to have with us Randy Brown, the chair of the firm's litigation department, as well as the managing partner of the firm's Fort Wayne office. We're so excited to learn more about Randy's experience as a trial attorney. But first, Mina, our preliminary questions. All right. Thank you, Michelle. And Randy, how are you today? I am doing very well, and I'm happy to be here. Great. All right. Well, so we're going to get ready, and we're going to ask you a few of our preliminary questions. These are the easy warm-up questions. Okay. So who are you and what do you do? That's more difficult than what you might think, but I'll try to make it uh, simple. Uh, I am a Hoosier farm boy uh, who decided at some point um, in my formative years that uh, I like to argue and I wanted to become a lawyer so I could get paid to argue. So along the way, um, I am a father of two wonderful daughters. Uh, I am a Manchester University graduate. Uh, I am an IU Indianapolis Law School graduate. And then I am a Barnes and Thornburg lifer, having spent 30, almost 31 years uh, with the firm. How's that for a starting point? That sounds fantastic. 31 years is wonderful. So I think you just said you're um, where exactly? You know, that's actually fair. I didn't answer that. I was actually born in Superior, Wisconsin. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, um, but both my uh, uh, mom and dad are Indiana natives. So after spending the first year and a half of my life in uh, cold northern Wisconsin, we moved back home to northeastern Indiana. Uh, so I grew up on a farm. Uh, up in Steuben County. It's uh, lake country, farm country, northeastern Indiana. And uh, uh, for me, back then, you guys will all chuckle and laugh, you know, especially you East Coasters. Uh, Fort Wayne was the big city for me growing up. Uh, so for me, uh, deciding to practice law, um, I decided to, after going to law school to come back to uh, Fort Wayne. That's wonderful. And so what were your three top legal jobs? <laughs> well, I really can't answer that because I've only had one um, um, in, in, in that my entire career has been spent at Barnes & Thornburg. But uh, within uh, those almost 31 years, uh, I can say that uh, the uh, top job um, has been um, as an advocate for my clients. Um, and because I love providing results for my clients and love doing so. Um, inside and outside of the courtroom. I was going to say, let me switch this up on you, Randy, then. What have been, maybe what's your top position at Barnes & Thornburg? What was the most favorite position you've held in the firm? That is a fair question. And I have thoroughly enjoyed um, my role actually on the management committee uh, at the firm, being part of the strategic planning, the visioning, the direction of the firm as we've grown um, over these last 30 years has been probably my top position um, as a, again, as a lawyer at Barnes & Thornburg. Wonderful. And now here's our, one of our favorite questions, Randy. What's your number? 
<laughs> uh, I had to do the math because I didn't have a running tally going, which may put me in the minority of trial lawyers. Uh, but my number is 30 on the dot. All right. That's great. I love it. So I'm going to turn you back now to Michelle um, for some more direct examination questions. Well, and that is an impressive number, Randy. I was very dismayed when I left the U.S. Attorney's Office that I didn't leave on an even number. Um, <laughs> we all want to be on that nice zero number. But let's talk some more about your, how you got started as a lawyer. You know, you said you were a huger farm boy who loved to argue, but we know not all farm boys become trial attorneys. So what for you was that turning point in your life that made you said, I want to be a trial attorney? That's a great question. And I did not know a lawyer. I never met the lawyer until I was probably 21 years old. Um, so, but while in high school, in the midst of an argument with my uh, favorite uh, English teacher, Mrs. Eddie was her name. She interrupted me and said, this was senior year of high school. Well, surely you're going to be going on to law school as much as you love to argue, right? And at the time I was thinking, ah, journalism, something. I really had no clue what I was going to do, but that was the prompt. And that was uh, started the, uh, uh, the move. And, uh, and again, I've never looked back. You know, you've been involved in the um, defense of some pretty high profile class actions. What are some of the challenges you think you face when you're defending a class action versus litigation involving individuals versus a class action? Sure. Well, I, th I think the, the, the first and perhaps um, largest issue is just one of scope, right? At that point, if you're dealing with, uh, and I've had classes with punitive numbers of you know forty or fifty thousand people. Um, you are truly talking bet the company litigation at that point. So um, getting the attention of the client uh, and wrapping your arms and head around the exposure it can be difficult, can be challenging, and then it's a matter of um, putting forth the best strategy to keep the class from being certified in the first place uh, or to minimize the issues that might be certified um, as a class. So it's, I think, a very, um, I mean, it, it probably the most strategic thinking um, that you do as, a, as, a, as an advocate, as a trial lawyer, as a litigator, is how can you keep this class uh, from ballooning into a true bet the company situation? No, and that's an excellent point. How is it that you progressed in your career to focus on class action defense work? Because I think all of us in law school may learn theoretically, you know, what class actions are, but not all of us end up actually defending those cases. So it's, I think, the same answer for much of my career and my advancement within the firm, and it's being in the right place at the right time. Uh, and it's rising to the occasion, you know, as a um, mid-level associate, uh, class action uh, complaint filed in a, uh, a consumer class action. And the partner, my mentor at the time, who actually hadn't had much class action experience, said, Randy, get me up to speed. Uh, and then, you know, learning just the, uh, the procedural rules themselves is a great starting point. It provides the roadmap for 
how you get a class certified and how you keep a class from being certified. And then once you know that framework, the, you know, the rule 23 based framework, then it becomes developing the evidence and the arguments that link to that. So thrown into it without any uh, real experience as a young lawyer and was able to show an aptitude and uh, good success in the first case and then kept on going from there into subsequent cases. Well, and you're so on point regarding, you know, just being prepared to take on a new challenge. What do you think some of the challenges you have had to take on as an attorney at the firm have have resulted in or how have they led you to where you are today at the firm? I think it's, um, again, it's multiple subject matters as a, as a commercial litigator, which is, I guess I go by that by, by, by name, every case is different. So the challenge is to make yourself the expert in the subject area itself. And I think what I've been able to do to advance my career positively is to be a quick study. Um, whether it be, as we've talked about already in the class action context, I've also done over the years a significant amount of patent infringement litigation. And again, another right place, right time scenario, one of our intellectual property partners needed some help, um, just as he said, on some procedural issues in a patent case. And that first five-hour research project turned into um, dozens of patent infringement cases, uh, multiple trials in the patent infringement context, uh, and again, an ability not only to learn a new subject area, but to learn a technical area. So it's, I think, keeping an open mind and not being afraid to take on the challenge in and of itself might be the biggest challenge. Just, just being willing to, you know, to, to, to put your toe in the water and then jump in and prove to your colleagues, uh, your clients, to judges and juries that you know what you're doing and you're pretty good at it. No, and that is such an important point about taking challenges, especially for younger attorneys when they're just starting out. Who were the people in your career or in your life that you feel really supported you and, you know, kind of sponsored you throughout your career so that you felt comfortable taking challenges? So in the practice, I've had a, a number of just great mentors over the years. Um, and I'm in our Fort Wayne office, which is one of our smaller offices, but I've always been I think uh, privileged to, to to work beyond the office walls. So one of my early mentors uh, was Don Knievel. Uh, Don uh, was um, retired now, but in his heyday was um, probably one of the top two or three trial lawyers um, in 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 the firm and in the state and in the region. And Don got me plugged into a couple of patent cases. We worked well together. I watched him in action, learned from that. It was a great, uh, a great experience. Um, and the the other two would be more um, local Fort Wayne based. Um, my uh, probably my favorite mentor of all times, gentleman by the name of Dick Steinbron, who since passed away. Steiny, uh, his nickname was the, the trial lawyer of all trial lawyers. He has something that I will never have, and that is the booming trial voice. When 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 he spoke, everybody in the courtroom knew that uh, um, you know. Who was uh, who was on deck and who was taking control, and that was uh, 
uh, Dick, Dick Steinbron. I had the privilege of trying two cases with him before he retired, and they were just wonderful, wonderful experiences. Uh, and then the third, not so much for his uh, trial um, uh, tactics, his trial skills. He was a, a, a patent prosecutor, Bobby Gillenwater, uh, who was uh, the managing partner of the Fort Wayne office before I moved into the role. Uh, but Bobby was that uh, IP lawyer um, when I was a second or third year associate who needed just a little bit of help, a little procedural help on some of the rules, federal rules of civil procedure. And I jumped in and he realized that, oh, I've got somebody who's not afraid of uh, taking on a patent case. And uh, he and I then have spent, I mean, countless hours on multiple cases, taking cases to trial, me trying it, Bobby being the brains behind the uh, uh, the entire project, and he would sort of wind me up and get me ready to be able to explain the technology to the judge or to the jury. And then I would, the Hoosier farm boy would come through and I could, you know, talk the talk with about anybody. But, but those three, Don Knievel, Dick Steinbron, and, and, and Bobby Gillenwater were my three primary mentors. I love how you keep referring to yourself as a Hoosier farm boy, <laughs> because I think, you know, being a trial attorney, one of the best parts of it is that you can be whoever you want to be when you're in front of that jury and you're in the courtroom, but you have to be authentic to yourself. And how do you fit in the Hoosier farm boy persona? What do you think that encompasses or what impression do you think you leave with your jurors when you are presenting? I think First and foremost, it uh, suggests or connotes humi humility, and then it suggests hard work, and then it suggests fearlessness. So th those three attributes, um, humility, hard work and effort, and uh, fearlessness. I just have this uh, fearlessness to be able to take on any challenge, and I think that, I think jurors, one, they, they, they watch lawyers closely, um, and um, they want, I think they want to have a feeling that the lawyer really is um, committed to his or her client, um, is a good person, um, and is willing to take on any challenge. Hey, wait, Michelle, before you move on, hey, uh, Randy, uh, red or green? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that prompt. I'm green through and through and would be happy to explain it that if you would like. Well, I think you're going to have to explain it to Michelle because she's a city girl from New York. Well, I think now inquiring minds will have to know because I will say in all fairness, when I first heard red or green, I was like, are they talking about some sort of Mexican sauce? What are they talking about? So please tell us what red or green means. Thank you for the floor. So uh, again, this is fully consistent with the, uh, the Hoosier farm boy theme that plays anywhere it really does, uh, but it plays particularly well um, in the cornfields of pick your Midwest state, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin. In this particular example, it was Iowa, and um, I had a large um, East Coast um, uh, AMLAW, you know, top 50 firm. I was up against lawyers from their New York and D.C. and Boston offices and 18 total lawyers on the team and um, humble Right. That's that that's one of the attributes of a Hoosier farm boy. Humble Randy and my three lawyer team were there uh, trying this case. And I knew on the uh, jury veneer that uh, there were a number of farmers. And I whenever there are farmers on a panel, I use that to my advantage. 
And um, I, in the course of uh, jury selection, course of voir dire, got into a nice interaction uh, with a, uh, one of the prospective jurors who I knew was going to be stricken uh, by the, uh, the other side. And after building up a number of my themes in the case with this uh, particular um, uh, juror, prospective juror and farmer, uh, I ended it with, sir, you've been a lifelong farmer. I, I understand that. And um, I just have to ask, are you red or are you green? And, and I know that the, most of the lawyers, no, not most, all of the lawyers on the other side thought, what in the heck is he talking about? And, uh, and, the, and I get the, the, the prospective juror gives, gets me a big smile and goes, oh, I'm, I'm red, I'm farmall. And uh, I said, oh, and I did this feign sort of disappointed. I said, well, sir, all right, I won't hold that against you if you won't hold against me the fact um, that I'm, you know, a, a Hoosier farm boy, John Deere Green. In fact, I have in my barn at home a 1937 John Deere B tractor. It was the first tractor my father restored, um, who's since passed away. So stop there. You don't want to go over the top. But I have now um, opened up myself to the panel they see somebody they can relate to. And it just so happened the next um, uh, prospective juror, the next in line was a 79 year old farmer. Um, I remember his name, I won't repeat it here, but uh, I could just tell he was you know, wanting to get that same question. So uh, you know, I, I, I move on to him and uh, so I, I can tell you're, you're sir, you're, you're, you've got an answer ready. You know, what is it? Are you red or are you green? And he responded, fire engine red and just loved that banter, that interplay. Um, and um, that particular uh, juror was not stricken. I knew he wouldn't be. Um, and the uh, post-trial interview um, of him is a telling one in terms of how important it is to um, open up and develop a relationship with your panel, with your jurors during voir dire. So thank you for allowing me to tell my red versus green story. My paralegal of 29 years, Hired last week, and we did a little um, going away party for her via Zoom. And uh, and in in her remarks, she said, "Well, I'm not going to talk about all the the war stories because there have been so many of them. I just want to say, Randy, red versus green is my favorite." <laughs> well, you know that's that's I think the true hallmark of a great trial attorney is when uh, your staff will repeat your great trial stories, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. A little uplifting. Yes, for sure. For sure. So I'm going to keep on the theme of trial here, um, and but I'm going to throw Michelle under the bus here a little bit because she wanted me to use a very corny phrase like, okay, now we're going to talk about trial graphics, but I'm sorry, Randy, it makes me die a little inside to use such a corny phrase. So she, I can't really say that, but she did have a good point. Um, and a lot of the attorneys at the firm know that you're go to attorney for use of trial graphics. And um, this is a particularly, I think, important topic right now during COVID. And as we become, you know, as a profession, more and more dependent on technology. So if you wouldn't mind telling us just um, how you sort of developed this reputation or got into using trial graphics, because it is, I think, at least in my opinion, such a big part of trials and such a powerful tool. Happy to, Mina. And, and it's, it is broader than just trial graphics. Can, and sometimes people might confuse that with a specific vendor, too. Really, it's the electronic presentation of evidence. 
Uh, and then it's the ability to use the technology to not only present, but also to persuade. And, and I got involved um, in the, the mid-1990s. This was actually another patent case, um, and it was a, a significant patent infringement lawsuit pending um, in Fort Wayne. And um, the, the firm on the other side, a Chicago-based firm that was itself um, kind of doing that cutting-edge um, uh, trial technology sort of practice. And, you know, we looked at that. We were the plaintiffs in this case and realized, all right, if, if, if this, you know, Chicago firm's coming to the party uh, with um, the trial presentation software and the demonstratives and, and, and all of that, that we need to do the same thing. Um, so then we just invested in a vendor who got us up to speed quickly and, um, you know, went toe-to-toe um, in a week-long um, patent case. It's called a Markman hearing. This was way back when. And uh, evidentiary, full-on, essentially, trial of a segment of the case. And I realized then that, uh, and this was just presented to a judge, but the judge was enamored uh, with our ability to wade through thousands of pages of documents, hundreds of exhibits, and direct his attention to the specific portion of a patent or a patent file history or a contract, you name it, without the traditional, you know, please turn to tab 15, uh, and then would you now turn to page 36 of exhibit 15, and then the third paragraph on page 36, there's all this verbal clutter in any trial that, that in which you're not actually using an Elmo or a, 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 a trial presentation software package. So I became um, an early advocate of, I'll, I will never go to trial again without using some um, uh, trial presentation um, software. And so I've used it now dozens of times. Uh, and, 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 and one of the things that I like to do is to use it myself. Meaning in the middle of trial, I've got, I'm at the podium and I've got my laptop up there with me. It, I do it seamlessly as a part of my examination. I'm not waiting for um, a paralegal or an assistant or an associate or someone else to pull up documents for me. I just do it on the fly. And, and, and one of the reasons I do it that way is um, one, I've got control. That's, that's one of the this one maybe one bad aspect of this trial lawyer. I don't like losing control of anything during trial. So if I'm running it and it's going to mess up, it's going to be on me. Uh, but then two, I really don't like jurors um, watching me instructing somebody else on my team to do something. Just I just doesn't feel right. Again, maybe that that's part of my who's your farm boy shtick, or it's just me knowing how people react to certain situations and how people react to um, subordinates being bossed around, I guess, maybe. So I'm going to do it myself. Now, that doesn't mean I know anything about the technology. Uh, I'm not inputting anything into the system, but uh, my, my teammates input it. My teammates make everything available for me. And then I'm, I guess, I don't want to say smart enough, but uh, quick enough to, to figure out which buttons to push and how to make it go during trial. That's great. So let me ask you, um, how do you pick out of all the different graphics, exhibits, what you're going to use as a graphic, like which is the most important. So you're not saying, okay, you know, could you please turn to tab 659 to look at this exhibit? Um, and then two, um, I guess, how would you 
for those who are not technologically savvy, how would you say to them, like, you too can do this? Because you just said, I don't really understand the technology, but I can do it myself. So the the key word here is preparation. So um, in a um, direct exam or a cross-examination, um, you have put your time into, you know, the exhibits um, for cross, you know, the prior deposition testimony. Um, so you know... Um, what it is in the evidentiary record that you want to use, um, be it a particular exhibit or uh, prior testimony to impeach. So in advance, as you're putting together your outline, uh, you are going through prior deposition testimony. And, 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 and you know, for every, I know you, criminal lawyers, I know depositions might be a little bit foreign to you sometimes, but, but the, the, the civil trial lawyers, a deposition is gold. It's, it's your ability to keep control of a witness on cross-examination. So you can do it just with the hard transcript in your in your hand and just in your outline, having the page and line of the deposition. So when the witness deviates from the prior, prior testimony, you circle back and you hit them hard with it. And that works great and it's effective. But when you're doing that to also have the written, the testimony itself flashed up on a large screen that the jury can follow along and see is just golden. And so that's a matter of me highlighting in advance uh, for uh, my paralegal or another assistant who, who, again, knows how to get the excerpts set up. So they'll just take what I provided them. I'd like this particular page in line ready to go. We'll label it. Um, and I use simple labels. So it might be um, cross X one through cross X 20. I know exactly what they are. And I type in CX one and up on the screen is a particular page that I want to use to uh, impeach a witness. And the same then would be used with any exhibit, you know, that's been marked at trial. They're all electronically scanned and stored. And the, the trial presentation software allows you to take out snippets. I call it sort of the dateline um, um, NBC sort of approach where you, you pull out um, that third paragraph on page 36, and it's highlighted, and it's in front of people. Now, I, I, I also have done this long enough that um, I can I can actually do those on the fly if I need to. If the document is already there, if it's already input into the system, you, you, you do it, you practice it, you can pull out a screenshot pretty quickly on the fly if you need to. But you know, more often than not, they're done in advance, and you're ready to go to um, kick butt on cross. That is a perfect segue, Randy, because we are now to my and Mina's favorite part of the show, which is where we do our cross-examination of our guest. And so you already Yay! know the rules of cross. Yay! Well, hold on, hold on. It's time for me to call in my uh, lawyer <laughs> to defend me on cross, right? Don't I, don't I have somebody that can object? Yeah, no, you don't have any representation, no, no. sir. All right, all right. And so you know the rules of cross. You just lay them out. I'll be his representation. I got you, Randy. <laughs> oh, that's no representation. That's fine. That is not fair. <laughs> that is not fair. But let's go. I'll give it a try. Well, and thank you. And so we don't need to reiterate the rules of cross-examination. You just laid it out pretty nicely for us. Now, Mr. Brown, you have two daughters, correct? Correct. And they have you wrapped around their little fingers? Absolutely, but don't let them know anymore. I'm sorry, that's a yes or a no? <laughs> yes, ma'am. You are a fan of the Chicago Cubs? Of course. And you are a fan of Broadway musicals? Oddly enough, yes. 
You once earned the nickname Corn Dog Brown by court staff in a rap song they created about a patent trial you were in. That is true. And that was, in fact, a compliment being called Corn Dog Brown. <laughs> I didn't think it was originally, but yes, in fact, it was. So that's a yes. Correct. Thank you. You refer to yourself as a Hoosier Farm Board, correct? Yes. And you intentionally use the Hoosier Farm Board shtick to your client's advantage. Every single time, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mr. Brown, for your time this evening. You have passed with flying colors. And we'd like to end, Randy, with kind of your words of wisdom for any young trial attorneys who might be listening, who want to start a career as a trial attorney, maybe in patent, maybe defending class actions. What would you tell him or her? Wait, I object. Is this my turn to object now? Oh, <laughs> way I missed too, it. Wait, waiver. You missed it. <laughs> our, our appeal rights have been exhausted because of Mina's waiver. Um, but I will say this, for newer lawyers that, that are interested in trial work, it is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. Just be prepared. Work, work, work. And then when you get that opportunity, don't be afraid of making a mistake. And then also be sure that you develop your style. Be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Just go out there. And uh, I mean, just if I have time for just a quick example, I, I, I tried a case with a um, newer uh, partner. It's been now four or five years ago. And um, just a, a wonderful lawyer who worked up the entire case for me, um, doing all the discovery, all the depositions, um, but she had never participated in a trial. And, but, you know, she knew um, because I told her she was going to play a significant role in the trial. And she was fearless, but also um, obviously nervous as any trial lawyer is before trial, probably maybe a little bit more just because it was her first trial. But she did a disarming thing during trial that caused the jury to love her. In her very first examination, she began by telling them, this is the first time um, that I've ever examined a witness at trial, so please bear with me. Ah, can you imagine at that point what juror is going to look at her and say and think anything bad other than let's root for her, let's see how she does? And of course, she was amazing um, and, and did multiple other witnesses um, in the trial. So, and she did it in her style, um, not, not my style, her style, and it was amazing. So, prepare, work hard, be yourself. And don't be afraid. Well, thank you so much, Randy, for joining us. I think that's great advice. And I think a lot of young lawyers kind of need to hear that from someone, that it's okay to make mistakes. And it's okay to be honest and be who you are. But we've reached the end of our show for tonight. Thanks to everyone who's listened. And we hope you'll tune in again next month. Thank you, Randy. Thank you.